a powerful uh, time of worship there. And one thing that struck me this morning, maybe afresh, as I was singing those worship songs and, and remembering Jeremiah, maybe sitting on that hill watching, is that uh, God's faithfulness is not pretend. Like, uh, to think about some, even this congregation, in, in a few months, they're going to go and stand back in that city where God rebuilt it. Uh, that uh, God's faithfulness is real. And before God asks us to have faith in him, isn't it amazing that God has faith in us? Before we believe in God, that God believes in us, that he asked us to go and to carry out his commands and to build his kingdom. It's an amazing thing that uh, sometimes we think faith is a one-way street, but it's not. Um, it's, a res- it's a response back to a very, very faithful God. And that's kind of what we're talking about here today. Uh, you know, we want to be a church that is faithful back to God. And why? Oh, <clears throat> there's a passage that, of course, this verse that we've been coming back to over and over again, our anchor verse for the series, I think it really is an anchor verse of faith, is this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's Hebrews eleven six, And we're going to be actually going through exegeting that today and, and getting into it. But it's important that, that faith is, uh, is something that is really at the core of, of what we do as disciples. We're going to be disciples of Jesus that build generational, transformational disciples. We can't do that outside of, of faith. And, and <clears throat> we talked about the first couple of weeks, what is faith? And faith is that confident assurance in God and who he is and to keep his word and to his promises, that we trust him. And that how does faith work? Well, faith works primarily as faithfulness. Think about faith in its fullest expression is faithfulness. It's loyalty. It's loyalty back to God. It's where we follow him and trust him with everything we are. And, and so today we're going to carry on that as we talk about why does it matter so much to God? Why is faith so important? And so if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, please turn it to Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some by the sound booth. You can uh, use one of those, uh, one of ours. And if you need a Bible, just keep it. It'll be our gift to you. Everyone should have the Word of God. And so uh, and, and we get to that Hebrews chapter 11. You should turn there. You recognize in week one, we really covered the first five verses. We defined faith. That's really what that, that does. And today, uh, we're going to continue on starting in verse 6, which is our anchor verse, which says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, here's the part that we, we didn't uh, really memorize, but it's so important because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And in this passage, and I think all the way rest through this, this wonderful chapter on faith, uh, God really gives us an answer as to why faith is so important. Why does it matter? In fact, uh, there's two pretty, I think, clear, important reasons that are given. And, and the first one is that God requires faith. That's why it matters, right? Without faith, you can't please God. It's important to him, and so it should be important to us, right? That ultimately what matters is not my opinion of how things ought to work. It really matters what God thinks about things. And God requires faith. And if we think about, you know, faith as as the seeds of the beginning or, or at core loyalty, that makes a whole lot of sense. That God wants us to have a real relationship. And relationships require faithfulness. Relationships require a sense of loyalty. And faithfulness then requires faith. And that is, we believe in God. We trust him. That's what it says. That without faith, it's impossible to please God because 
by faith, we know that God exists. <laughs> by faith, we know that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so faithfulness requires that belief, but it also requires action, that earnestly seeking. That This is really core to the understanding why it's so important, why we cannot, as Christians, go through have a religious experience with God and it being okay. Right? The, the rich young ruler had a wonderful religious experience. He was very, very, very uh, faithful to the law. But when it came down to actually choosing God above everything else, he chose his things above God. And we talked about that's not an odd thing. That's not a strange concept. I can be a wonderful husband to my wife, but if I don't want to break up with my girlfriend, which I don't have, by the way, but if I would choose another woman and say, well, I'm still going to be a faithful, wonderful husband to you. I'm going to do everything that I'm supposed to as a husband, except for I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get rid of her. That's not the foundation of a good relationship. Nor is it in our relationship with God. How can we please God if we don't love him? Choose him above everything else. I mean, all the way through scripture, we find that God takes it personally when we have someone else sitting on the throne of our heart. Right? He, he, he calls it adultery, spiritual adultery. Many times the old covenant is like, you have prostituted yourselves, worshiping foreign gods and all these other things. And the New Testament even carries that even further. And he says, it's even our things oftentimes we worship. And of course, we worship whatever our hearts revolve around. And so Jesus says, you can't have two masters. You can't serve both God and money. You're going to love one and despise the other. That God is not looking for divided hearts. He's not looking for us to be, to be split in our affection. That God wants us to be focused on him. He's not interested in your perfection. God can perfect you, right? He can do anything. So even you, he can perfect. But he wants you to choose him. He wants you to love him. He wants you to be loyal to him. And without that, you really can't have a good relationship. So last week we talked about this, this idea of the, examining our hearts, examining our lives as something as Christians we, we all really need to be doing over and over again to say, you know, is there any interloper trying to squeeze on to, to, the, to the throne of my life? Are there things that are crowding out Christ? Because without faith, without us choosing God, how could we possibly live a life that would please him? I could do all the obedient things, but God wants me. He wants you. And there's a lot of things we're afraid of giving up, aren't we? When it seems like we have to choose God or this, and we're like, well, can't we just have both because of grace? And isn't it great that God is a graceful God and he doesn't just kick us out of the kingdom because we mistake, make mistakes, but but really, what's the attitude of our heart? Are there things that we need to walk away from in order to choose him? Let me give you an example. I have nothing to do with my salvation. I'm saved. But uh, a few years ago, many years ago, I'm old. Uh, at our church, we did this thing called the kingdom commitment. And at the time, uh, there's Pastor Scott. He was my mentor, and, and, and he was a pastor. He was a wonderful man. And uh, he uh, challenged us 
as a congregation to sell something that was important to us. And he says, just pray about it. The Holy Spirit will make it clear. What, and then we were going to use that, to, that money to then invest in the kingdom. Well, I knew right away what God wanted me to sell. And I didn't want to do it. Right? It was a brand new, semi-automatic, paintball pistol that I had saved for 18 months to buy. I mean, I'd saved, and at that time, it was a big deal. And I finally got, I researched it like I do. It was beautiful, and it worked wonderful. And I loved it so very much. And I even had a holster for it and everything. And as he was preaching, like the Holy Spirit was saying, that's what has to go. And I bargained with God. I was like, no, God, I will, I will sell my Xbox, right? I'll sell my hats. I'll sell, but don't, don't make me get rid of this. That seems so mean. I just got it. It's brand. I still have the box. And the more I thought, the more I realized that there was something that I was choosing above my creator, and I was so grateful. I had the opportunity to get rid of it. So I used this new app that was out there, this, this website called eBay, and I sold it, and I sent it out, and the guy got a really screaming deal, and I sent it out to him, and he opened up, and he complained that as he opened it up, there was an O-ring that that had dried out a little bit. And I was like, fine, just send it back. And he was like, no, 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 I can replace that for 25 cents. And I was like, all right. I'll. But, but I realized that how easy it is for something to take the place of my loyalty, something to, to, to take my, my world would revolve around a thing, a simple, crazy little thing. See, God didn't want my paintball gun. He wanted me. And he gave me an opportunity to choose him. And in that sacrifice, that's the importance of sacrifice, is I chose him. Did it hurt? Yeah. Yeah, it hurt. <clears throat> but it healed more than it hurt. And I recognized that at that moment, how important it was that I keep my heart pure for God. That, that he's got to be my number one. And I mean in big things. Throughout all of history and all of life, they might, like God has always asked us to put him first. Not because he's narcissistic, but because our world falls off kilter if we have anybody other than God at the center. Anyone other than God. If I live my life for things, I'm out of balance. It's not how I was designed to live. Now, things are good are wonderful. God has blessed us with many things. Scripture's got a very healthy uh, uh, teaching about that all good and perfect gifts from, come from God, right? Wealth is not evil. It is not good. It's just, a, it's there. It's a blessing from God. But if I worship my wealth, I got problems. Health is a wonderful thing, isn't it? And Scripture's teaching that health can be a blessing from God. But if I worship my body, I got problems families, our parents and our children and our, our siblings are wonderful. They're gifts, they're blessings from God. But if I worship my family, my life gets all kilter. 
I begin to do things with wrong motives. I begin to live my life in such a way that it might make sense at the time, but it, it moves me away from the heart of my creator, my redeemer. And I start to, to become a slave to the things that God gave me to bless me. So, we recognize that God is, is a God who requires faith for our good. And that's a wonderful thing. So if God requires faith, if he requires us to be loyal to him, that should be the end of it, right? As followers of Jesus, as disciples of Christ, shouldn't we just say, well, okay, I don't understand faith completely. I've got to trust in what I don't see, but I know that God is, is real. I'm going to be loyal to him no matter what. I'm not going to have anybody, not a thing, not a not a goal, not a project, not a person, no one is going to have that center point in my life because that's what God wants? Yeah, that, that's, that should be enough. But I also know the reality of it. Sometimes, because we're human, we think, well, well what's in it for me? Well, let me show you. Salvation requires faith. That is also important because that affects me deeply. The scripture is very clear that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's righteous standard. That all of us have wandered from God. All of us have been disloyal to him. All of us have eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We've all chosen in our own hearts to do what we say is right in opposition to what God says. We have all committed high treason against the king of heaven. It's not good for us. And yet... We're not saved then by the, the, the change-up of how we live. We're not saved by repentance. At first, as a Christian, that bothered me. I thought, well, shouldn't good Christians, shouldn't we just say, if you really aren't a follower, you should just change your life and be obedient to God. That's what should save you, and the more obedient you are, the more you're going to be saved. But it doesn't say in Scripture that we are saved uh, by our obedience, It doesn't say we're saved by how much we offer to God. We're not saved by, by buying indulgences and paying God off and saying, I'm really sorry for all the stuff I've done, so here's a little gift, wink, wink, and just turn the other you know, just turn a blind eye to everything I've done. God doesn't work that way. What does Scripture say? What is the basis that God requires from us for our salvation? Ephesians 2. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. This is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, there's two requirements in there. The first one's God's grace. We are been saved by grace. That God chooses to save, he, he didn't require it. Humanity, we've all rebelled against him. The fact that God, while we were still his enemies, that Christ would come down and die for us is remarkable. That shows how much God has faith in us, that God believes in humanity. He believes in you, that he, he recognizes that there's a value in this, that, that, that he was loyal to us even more than in his own self. He died on a cross for our benefit. God's grace is amazing. And the fact of the matter is that God's grace is available. That is remarkable. And since God's grace is available, salvation is a gift that he wants to give. How do we receive it? Through 
faith? First, that just seems so silly. It seems too easy, doesn't it? And yet we realize what faith really is. If faith is loyalty, that makes sense. God is not looking for an unhealthy relationship. He is loyal to you. He has given his son to die on a cross, shed his own blood so that we could be saved, so that we would have the means for grace. He's all in. But he needs that loyalty back. See, God's kingdom can't be divided. And if you think about it, that makes a whole lot of sense. You know, if, if heaven was a place that we could, like, when we're looking forward, we're going to die, and then there's a new heaven, a new earth. Can you imagine how lousy that would be if people were there and were, like, halfway in? That they were like, well, we're going to kind of obey God, but we still kind of like doing things our own way. You know what that would turn out to be? Just like earth, right now. That would be miserable. That would be absolutely horrible. The thing that makes heaven so wonderful is that in heaven, we're never going to disagree with God again that he purifies our hearts. We're sanctified again. He fixes the, 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 the disposition of our hearts where God's moral compass becomes our moral compass. So it's easy to follow him. But even more than that, everyone in heaven is loyal to God. That's what he asks for. And it's not just humans. It's angels too, by the way. There were the angels that were the holy angels in the first heaven, heaven right now, could see God in his glory sitting on the throne we're serving him, worshiping him, doing all of that. What happened? Well, Satan, who's very, very good at convincing others to do dumb things, convinced other angels to say, hey, let's stop being loyal to God. We're not going to be faithful to him anymore. We're going to do things our way. And they lost their place in heaven, which makes sense. Can you imagine how miserable eternity would be if we lived in a place still divided by war, and it's the same for us, that in this world we have an opportunity to choose God. And it's going to cost us. That's the test. And the test is necessary because it lets us know that we've actually chosen him. That's why it says in Scripture that we're made perfect through our suffering. That is, through these these trials that our faith is proved to be true and will result in praise and glory and riches when we are received in heaven. But scriptures tells us so much that it is through faith, not, not how good we are, but how much we trust God. Believe that he exists, trust that, that he's good, that he keeps his word, that he actually is righteous, and that he... he Rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so heaven is going to be an amazing place because there's not going to be a civil war anymore. Every being in heaven will have chosen, whether angels or humans, where their loyalties lie. So salvation requires faith at its core. That's the one thing. That is the one test. Huge. The Hebrew gives examples then as we go on to it in verse 7 and on, of examples of this saving faith, which may look interesting or different than how we might have first thought of it. It's just like just a light belief. 
In Hebrews 7, it says this, For by faith Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. And by his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Now, was Noah a perfect man? No. He was a, he was a good guy, that's what Scripture says. He was a righteous man. He was generally pretty good. He honored God. We know he had sin. He wasn't perfect. But what did he do? He chose God. Even above every other human. That's all of his friends, his neighbors, his family, his society, his way of life, the entire world. By building that ark, he said, God, I am loyal to you above anything else. That's a hard test. It wasn't his perfection that saved him. And it wasn't a boat that he built that saved him. Noah was very much saved by God's grace through faith. And that faith, he trusted God was going to do what God said he was going to do. He trusted that God was good and worth it. And he also earnestly sought him. He actually put his faith to action and built a boat. And what was the result of this? Well, humanity was saved. I'm pretty happy about that. Yay, Noah, right? But also, Noah received life and his family. And Noah then was not just made right before God in, in that time by trusting, but, but it says that he was saved. That God made, looked at Noah's faith and said, you know what, you're loyal, I'm going to sanctify you. I'm going to save you. You're going to be in my kingdom. That's huge. What if, what if a Christian struggles with faith? Well, that's not a what-if question, because I know a lot of Christians, and I know that all of us struggle with faith from time to time. There are times when we have paintball guns that take the place of God in our heart. There are times we read things in Scripture and they offend us so much that we think, surely I'm understanding this wrong. God could not mean what he said here. It seems too harsh. I think I want to do this, even though it's clearly not what he said. There are times when we read scripture and it just doesn't make sense. And we say, well, I would rather live my life in a way that makes sense to me. I want God to fit into my head. Thank you very much. There are times we have doubt. At least I do. Have you ever been there? So what do we do? Well, there are a lot of stories in Scripture that talk about this, but there's one that is my favorite. It's a story that comes to us from a time where, when Jesus was, was ministering on the earth, and he had sent his disciples out to go and to do works so that they could see that they had been given authority by the kingdom to spread the kingdom, and they were going to heal people and cast out demons and all these things. And they go out and they're doing that, but they come across this, this young boy who was clearly demon-possessed. And they go to cast out the demons, and all the other demons seem to leave, but this one didn't go. And so there was a large commotion. And Jesus comes down and do, 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 shows up just the right time because you know, he's got good timing. And he shows up, and there's this huge crowd around this, and he's like, what's going on? And the 
the boy's father says, you know what? Uh, my boy's got a demon and your disciples can't cast him out. Right? What's the deal? And the disciples can't figure it out. And Jesus begins talking with the father. And he asks the father, how long has he been like this? Well, from childhood, he answered. And has thrown him into the fire and water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And I love how Jesus takes this a little personally. If you can. Like, what do you think you're talking to? By this point, he cast out all kinds of demons, fed all kinds of people with little fish sandwiches. He, he's, he's powerful God. If you can. He says, everything is possible for one who believes. Do you believe that God exists? That he is who he's revealed himself to be, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good? That he rewards those who earnestly seek him? So the issue isn't God's power. The issue is, are we going to allow God to use his power? Everything is possible for one who believes. I love the, the boy's father, how he, he answers Jesus. The most honest prayer, I think, written in Scripture. Immediately, the boy's father explained, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You know, the faith to ask was enough. That was enough. Jesus healed the boy. He said, okay, I want to believe. I believe, but I also don't. And why wouldn't he? Because that demon had been tormenting and almost killing his son for a long time. And that was his reality. And he didn't see God come through. And now, and now his, Jesus' disciples show up and they can't even do it? He had a little doubt. A little doubt. But he wanted to Jesus. He wanted to believe. He had enough faith to say, God, change me. If whatever's necessary, I want to believe. And Jesus heals the boy. I love that. Because it shows me that, that God isn't looking for perfect faith. He's not looking for you to be like some titan of, of faith. If you have, like, God, I'm completely loyal no matter what. All the time, I never, ever have trouble. I never doubt you. It's a, it's a decision of the heart to say, God, I want to be loyal to you. I want to love you. I need, I need your help to do it, but I want that. See, faith doesn't heal. And that's where I think a lot of times we read Scripture and we can get it wrong. You know, I can believe in all kinds of things. I can believe I'm going to be healed, and that's not going to heal me. I can have the faith of a mountain and not move a mustard seed. Because faith just comes from me. I don't have power. There's only so much I can do. See, the faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain because it's not my faith that moves mountains. It's my God who can move a mountain. And it's an easy thing for my God to do anything. So when I trust God and I invite him and I say, God, I know that you're, I know who you are. You are a faithful God. You're a powerful God. I believe you exist. And I, and I trust that you reward those who earnestly seek you. And I want to earnestly seek you. And I've just not seen this but I'm going to trust you with this. And yet I still kind of have trouble. Can you help me believe? Imperfect faith can do amazing things because you have invited the God of the universe into your problems. 
if you can, God says. Now, there are mountains that God doesn't move, like literal ones. I was a young man, 16 years old, just became a Christian, reading my Bible. And I came across what Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. And I was like, well, son of a gun, I wish I would have known that earlier. And I went outside my front door, and I could see Long's Peak. And with all the faith in the world, totally expecting it to happen, I said, Long's Peak, move over there. And it didn't. And just in case Long's Peak didn't hear me, I said it louder with more faith. But Long's Peak didn't move, and that troubled me for a long time until I realized that Long's Peak didn't move because God didn't ask me to have Long's Peak. I think Long's Peak's exactly where God wants. Plus, if that's how it worked, it'd be zipping around all over the place as Christians are kind of faith. Oh, cool. No one would be able to climb it. It'd be awful. Faith works because it allows us to be faithful to God. We're loyal to him. When, God, when we invite God into our lives, we say, God, have your will, your kingdom come, and your will be done. And when we trust that God's kingdom will come and his will be done, his kingdom will come and his will will be done. And sometimes, sometimes that's a healing. And sometimes that's a restoration of a relationship. Sometimes it's a deliverance from, from some financial or emotional burden that has bothered us for all this time. And God delivers just like a boy being set free from a demon. And it's amazing. Sometimes God says, no. But just like with Jeremiah, God is no less faithful in the no. Because sometimes God is working through that. Sometimes God is doing something powerful through the brokenness. Sometimes God is asking us to choose him and not just our own comfort. Sometimes that trial is the very thing that allows us to see, is God truly on my heart or am I only following him when he does what I say he should do? You know, God exists. Faith lets us know that he exists. And he's always good. And he knows what is best. And he is loving. And he is kind and compassionate. He is loyal to us more than we could ever understand. And he's intimately aware of what's going on in my life. And if I invite him in to any situation, if I pray by faith, God's will will happen. And I can trust him faith the size of a mustard seed. It can move mountains. And so it's not just that God requires faith or my salvation requires faith. My life as a Christian requires faith, doesn't it? I don't want to live a Christian life where, where I'm baptized as a little kid or something like this, and all of a sudden now I'm in the kingdom, and now the rest of my life looks no different than any other pagan. I don't have any relationship with God. I'm not any closer to him. I don't even know what he wants, and I don't care until I die, and then I come back to church. How empty. I want to know God. I want to see his power revealed in my life. I want to live a life that pleases him because he's done so much for me, because he's worthy, because he's good, because he genuinely rewards those who, who earnestly seek him. Let me earnestly seek him. And let me examine that throne in my heart. See, does my life really revolve around? If there's any interlopers there, let me kick them off the throne and invite my God back there because he's good. 
That's why faith matters. It changes us. So, why does faith matter? Because it's the only way to please God. You're here because you want to please God. I guarantee it's not because you, you, know, you just wanted to listen to me. You're here because you want to please God. So trust Him. Give Him your heart. It's the only way of salvation. If you're thinking that you could be saved by doing anything else other than giving your heart to God, by, by trusting, believing Him, repenting, which means changing how I live because I love Him, by, by my confession, identifying with Him because I'm His now, by, by my baptism, being born again in His kingdom, realizing the joy of, of the fact that I'm new now, by being discipled and learning how to obey Christ in all things because He is worthy. Well, I think you're missing out. The better life, the abundant life, is through faith. That's why it matters. And faith is therefore the expression of our loyalty. It's an expression of our love to God, if you get down to it. The greatest command. What does God want from us more than anything else? To love the Lord God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Oh yeah, and also if we're going to do that, we probably should love other people too. Because faith is also the invitation of God's power. You know, and we're going to talk about it in two weeks, why God has a Christian church of Essence Park here. We're transforming this community. We're going to saturate this valley with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to see lives redeemed. We're going to contradict the addiction and the despair and the troubles that are in this community with the love and the power and the generosity and the goodness and the service of Christ. That's why we're here. We're going to see the world change, but if you think we're going to do that because we're so great, watch out. It's going to happen because we're faithfully following what God has called. So whether or not you believe that it can happen, we are, in, we are inviting God's power into this community, and God's power moves mountains. So faith matters. It's the only way to please Him. It's the only way to salvation. It's an expression of our loyalty, and it's an invitation of God's power. I think it's worthwhile. Next week, we're going to really kind of summarize all that back together and like how does this all work in our life so i hope that you uh, come back for that but this week on your connection cards here's some ways that we can put that faith into practice let us choose god and one of the first thing to do why don't you memorize our anchor verse hebrews eleven six? what a great reminder when we are so overburdened by doing the things for god let us remember that god first wants our loyalty that, that he wants us to trust him. That he wants us to make sure he's first. So use this verse. Allow it to be an anchor for you. As you do that, why don't you read Mark 9? That's the story of that boy who was healed. That's a pretty cool thing. And that's the same Jesus, the same God who we worship today. Something else you might want to do is confess your doubts. God is not going to turn you away if you're like, hey, I've got doubts. He's not going to be surprised. He's not like, what, you doubt me? If you say, but yeah, but I want to not doubt you, invite him in, confess your doubts, allow him in so he can help you. Be real about them. Don't have to pretend to be a perfect Christian. God already knows you're not. So come to him with who you are and give him your heart. And something else you might want to do is we do have a baptism class next Sunday. If you haven't been baptized or expressed your faith in that, that's something that scripture tells us to do, but because it's... Uh, there's a lot of questions about it. We want to be able to make sure that you understand the faith that you'd be expressing. If you'd like to be part of that, it's going to be next Sunday after our second service. It's a very short, it's about a half hour. 
If you need to, to take that step of faith, then let me know and, and, and check that. Now, if you're here this morning and you haven't followed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, why not today? You're like, well, I'm not good enough. Well, no one is. But God is good enough and he saved you. And you're saved by God's grace through faith. Can you choose him? Well, I've got questions about God. Who is he? I've got doubts. Well, that's not perfect faith that saves you. But can you trust him enough to believe that he exists and he's going to reward those who earnestly seek him? As we grow in faith, your faith will grow. You need to take that step of placing your faith in Jesus. And man, do that today because salvation is there. Pleasing God is there. Start there. And guess what? You have a pastor who love you. You have a church family who will encourage you and love you. We were here for you. So if you didn't take that step of faith, I'm going to be over here at the end of the service. Come talk with me. I'll answer some of your questions and we'll help you take those first steps of faith into salvation to begin this new life with Christ. Now, hopefully all of you have had something to express your faith in this morning. I'd like you to put down your connection card. If you have a prayer request, write that down in faith, knowing that God hears our request. At the end of the service, in just a minute, we're going to take our offering. As you, the offering baskets are passed, please take those connection cards along with your tithes and gifts and drop them in there. Make that an expression of faith to God. Let me pray for us as we make those commitments now. Heavenly Father, you are good and you're powerful, but more than that, you're loving. You are a faithful God. And we want to be faithful back. So Lord, I, I thank you that, that you didn't save us by our perfection or our worthiness, that you're worthy. Lord, that, that you've done what we could never do. But you do ask for our hearts. You ask for our faith. Our faith must for us to trust you, to believe you exist, to believe that you earnestly rewar- uh, you reward those who earnestly seek you. Help us to earnestly seek you. And for those who have doubt this morning, just like uh, Thomas, uh, the, the apostle, or, or the, the man that had the young boy that needed to be saved, Father, accept our, our small mustard seed faith. May it be enough and change us. Help us to know you in a deeper and more profound way. We invite you into our lives. We invite you to take the center of our lives. Take these these connection cards or these commitments, these offerings, and build your kingdom in us. Build your kingdom through us for your glory, we pray. In the wonderful name of, of Jesus who saves us.